Uh, to many of us, I'm sure. But if you've got a Bible in front of you, that'd be great. If you haven't, do grab one from the back uh, or look on your phone uh, and read, follow the passage through with us. I'm just going to read Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. Paul writing, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's just take a moment and just be quiet with that passage. Father, speak to us. Take your word your living word and write it on our hearts. Amen. So here's the headline for tonight. The question I want us to think through. The question is this. How can we serve how can we serve? Um, three years ago, well, not just under three years ago, we, not long after we'd first moved to Ealing, um, the riots in London happened. You know, started in, in Enfield and Tottenham and, and spread around the city and across the country. And, and obviously here in Ealing, as you all know, or many of you will know, was a lot of damage done, particularly in West Ealing and Ealing Broadway. And, and um, just to see the amazing response of the community in clearing up and, and helping and supporting shopkeepers. And a group of us were involved in um, putting together a little vigil, prayer vigil. Um, and about 200, 250 people, I think, gathered um, at Ealing Green to, to pray for our community. And afterwards, um, a few of us went to Pizza Express, as you do after a kind of evening like that, to just kind of have some food and, and relax. It had been quite a... I guess a full afternoon, and when we originally planned the, um, the little prayer thing, we thought it would be just a bunch of us from a few churches, and didn't expect Sky News and the BBC to arrive, and it, was, it all got a bit intense, but it was a really great thing to do, so we were just wanting to relax afterwards, go to Pizza Express, and enjoy an evening, and, and there are a few other people who I didn't know from other churches who joined us for supper, and we're having a great evening, and, and then one of, the, one of the guys at the table said, it's been great to hang out with you, but I, I need to go now. And we're like, oh, okay, that's fine. So he got up and, and, and left. And I was a bit worried because he seemed to leave quite abruptly. And I was thinking, oh, I hope we haven't said anything or done anything that's upset him. So I followed him um, from the table. And, and as I followed him around the corner in Pizza Express in Ealing Broadway, I saw him talking to the waitress and paying for the meal. And I thought, okay, well, he's paying for his part and then going. And I went up to him and just said, I just hope everything's okay. Is everything all right? And he said, he said yeah, and I saw the total that he was paying for. It wasn't just his meal he was paying for. He got up early so he could pay for all of us. I first met him that day, and can I be honest? I've never seen him since. But he paid for all of us. There was a whole group of us around the table to have pizza together. 
It was amazing. I, I felt so served and blessed and loved just by a simple act of kindness and generosity. I don't know if you've ever had an experience of, of being served in some way or being blessed or, or on the receiving end of someone's generosity. Often they're stories we, we don't forget easily, aren't they? Let me tell you a story uh, about a man called Peter Shankman. Peter Shankman, he travels a lot. He's a, an author, a writer, a speaker. Uh, and he is a, an expert in the area of customer service. And listen to his story, uh, the, uh, his experience of, of generosity. He was uh, landing in an airport in, in, in America and he realised that his connecting flight meant that he didn't have a huge amount of time to grab a nice meal and he was a food critic and he loved to eat good food. So he sent a tweet to a local steakhouse called Morton's and Morton's is a chain in, in, in America and he tweeted this, Hey, at Morton's, can you meet me at Newark Airport with a porterhouse? That's a very large steak. When I land in two hours... Okay, thanks, and a little smiley face. It was a joke. So he lands at Newark Airport, gets through a baggage claim and, and heads towards his connection, and sees someone holding a sign with his name. Think, I'm not due at this airport. Why are they here? And then he sees the guy's wearing a shirt that says Morton's on, on the uh, kind of, uh, with the logo. So he walks over, looking quite intrigued. This guy hands him a bag. I've seen a photo of this. It's quite incredible. Um, they have sent someone out with a 24-ounce porterhouse steak, an order of colossal, colossal shrimp. That sounds incredible. A side of potatoes, one of Morton's famous round things of bread. I don't know what a round thing of bread is, but it sounds great. Two napkins and silverware. Just from a tweet... Now, this has gone viral all over the internet. As I, I googled kind of surprising acts of service or something, and it just came up time and time and time again. Just because this guy, for a joke, sent a tweet, and this company decided they would honour that and come out and deliver a meal. You see, we don't forget acts of service. We don't forget acts of generosity. We don't forget acts of kindness. The context for the passage that we're reading this evening is that Paul is writing to Philippi, which is part of the Roman Empire. And if you know anything about the Roman Empire or, or Roman history, is that it's all, Roman, Roman history exalts the heroes, the warriors in battle, those who were strong and those who were successful, the, the powerful, the influential. This tiny minority of people, some would estimate sort of 2% of the Roman population, uh, this powerful elite that ruled with dominance and fear uh, over the vast majority of the poorer population, many of whom were servants or slaves. Um, listen to some of the books that the Roman emperors wrote about themselves. Plutarch, he wrote a book called How to Praise Yourself Inoffensively. <laughs> Emperor Caesar Augustus, this is an autobiography, The Achievements of the Divine Augustus. They, you know, they really put themselves up there. If you were successful and powerful and could win a battle, you were up there. At no point and at no time in the, Roman, in the Roman Empire did they extol the virtue of service or humility or generosity. The Roman Empire was won through warfare and violence, through dominance, through exerting the will of the emperor. But the Roman Empire was toppled by an army of servants who just imitated the way of Jesus. 
How can we serve? Let me tell you a story. It's a true story. In 165 AD, there was an outbreak of smallpox in the Roman Empire. A third of the population uh, is estimated to have died in that outbreak, um, including the emperor, Marcus Aurelius. So the people were in absolute panic. Um, so anyone who showed any signs of sickness uh, or illness, they were thrown out of the cities, thrown out in the streets. They were shunned, abandoned. You know, husbands were throwing out their wives. Children were throwing out their brothers and sisters because everyone was terrified. There was, it was absolute carnage. The same thing had happened in the Greek Empire with, this, with smallpox about 300 years earlier. And the same thing had been seen there. And Plato and others write about it, saying that society fell apart. This is what Bishop Dionysius, Dionysius sorry, of Alexandria wrote about the Christians during this plague. The community of Christians remembered what Jesus did with the lepers, the sick, and the demonized. Heedless of the danger, they took charge. They took charge of the sick, attended to their every need, and ministered to them in the name of Christ. And with them they departed this life, serenely happy, for they were also infected. The Christians served sacrificially, and the Roman Empire noticed. The Roman Empire noticed this army of servants willing to lay down their lives to save others. You know, the Christian people transformed the Roman Empire by saving abandoned children, caring for the sick and the outcasts, constantly being the ones who were there getting their hands dirty when everyone else didn't want to know. It was their constant service that transformed and utterly tore down the Roman Empire. Another uh, early church bishop said this about, about the church. It is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness, that brands us in the eyes of our opponents. That's what we're known for. How can we serve? Never underestimate the power of serving others well. It changes lives. It changes cities. It changes empires. It always has, and it always will. It's interesting now, compared to the Roman Empire, not in any way extolling humility, generosity, uh, and uh, servant, servanthood. Um, uh, Jim Collins, who's a well-known uh, writer on, about business and management consulting, he, he wrote about this idea of a level five leader. The top leaders of the best companies, the best of the best, the first characteristic of a level five leader is real tenacity, a real, a real work ethic, a willingness to really grind hard and put the hours in. The second characteristic, humility. Give others the credit. And it is what works. Extreme humility. Willingness to serve, giving it away. And so when we come to Jesus, Jesus, remember, he is our model for humanity as God intended. Jesus is our model as, as a church family. He's the one we seek to imitate. Why is that? Because he is the one who brings us fully alive. He is the one that brings about justice for the oppressed. He is the one that transforms lives. And he does it through the simple acts of service that you and I offer. 
So Jesus uh, took the, the posture, if you like, of a humble servant. And as we look at the passage, let's just walk through this uh, together. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Jesus had the highest status. He, had, he, he has, and we see it later on, the name above every name. He had everything. He was all-powerful, all-seeing, all all-knowing. That, that character, those characteristics of God, and he laid them aside. Why? He made himself nothing. The word means to empty himself. He didn't empty himself of his God status. He emptied himself of, of some of the power and the characteristics of who God was so that he could take the very nature of a, a servant. The word servant there is the word doulos, which actually, if, if you think about it in Roman terms again, it was the word for the servant class, a slave, a servant of many. He lowered himself right to the ground. Jesus' identity is found almost first and foremost in his identity as a servant. Jesus is a servant. The Old Testament promise of Jesus that we see in Isaiah is that of a coming servant. A servant who's so gentle, but so, he's so powerful, but yet so gentle that he won't break a bruised reed. A servant willing to lay down his life that others might live. In Mark 10, a well-known verses, Jesus said about himself that the Son of Man, the, the one whom God has appointed has not come to be served, but to serve. And not more than that, to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what it meant for Jesus to be a servant. We know so many times in the encounters Jesus had with other people, he'd get alongside them and, and say this, this, this question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He was a servant. He never imposed himself. He never, he never came thinking, or he never came thinking, I'm going to tell them what they need. I'm going to force myself upon them. He came to serve. He came to offer his life. He came to offer himself. He got alongside the outcasts and the broken. In John 13, another wonderful passage, Jesus is the one who washes the disciples' feet. He's the one that they're all sat down ready to eat. And Jesus takes the towel around his waist, the bowl of water, and washes their feet. He takes the position that only a Gentile slave could have. A Jewish master could not make a Jewish slave do that. Jesus lowers himself to that. He he becomes the servant of others. Isn't it incredible that the God of the universe, the God who made heaven and earth, comes to earth as a servant and serves the ones he's created? God serves us. If we mull that over for a moment, that is unbelievable. That God would lower himself to serve us. How much more would we want to serve those we meet? Jesus was fully human, fully obedient. One of the things that his servanthood brought was it brought dignity to everyone he met. He, he lifted up those he met that they might know their true value. What is he doing? He's saying, you're made in the image of of God. You're made in the image of God. He healed the sick. He included lepers, healed them, cast out demons that those who are excluded would find life. Jesus is the servant. The early church 
saw the model of Jesus in this passage, in this early hymn. This is one of the the earliest Christian songs that was ever written. The church sang this so they would know it because it was so important to their identity as followers of Jesus that that they would follow their master Jesus and become servants. He's the model for us. And so as a, as a community, we're to look like Jesus in our actions. It means that when we're together, we're to serve. It means when we're scattered, we're to serve. Whatever we find ourselves this week, we're to have the same attitude, the same mindset than that of Christ Jesus. He is the servant. How can we serve? It's all very well and good. What does that look like? What does that actually mean today? So what happens tomorrow morning when... I have to go to work or I'm faced with the challenge of getting my children to school or, or just generally kind of life kind of hits. What do we do? The first thing I think is this, is that we, we have to realise all that we have to give. Realise all that we have to give. Not just because we live in the West, in London, and we might feel like we have more than others. It's not about wealth. It's just realising all that God has done. Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross. He gave it all for us, that we might give it all for others. Remember all that we have, all that we have to give. We have his presence with us. Last Tuesday, I I took some of the gap year, the discipleship year interns. We went praying for people in Northfields. Really simple thing. We didn't take anything with us. We didn't have any clever ideas. We just wanted to go and pray for people. And so we wandered around Northfields asking people we met, some of whom we'd kind of asked God for descriptions of before we left, if they'd like prayer. And some of the stories that came back were amazing. Stories of people having divine encounters with those who were struggling with their their mental and emotional health, praying for them. Stories of those who were definitely not keen to do this at all and did not want to be out there, encountering people in cafes and praying for them and seeing God at work. I prayed for um, one mum. She was uh, called Alex, and her daughter was called Hannah, and she asked me if I'd pray for her daughter. I prayed for her daughter. She was unwell, and the doctors didn't know what was wrong. She was only, you know, less than two. But as I was praying, I felt God say that Alex, he wanted to encourage her as a mum. And as I prayed, I just simply said to her, I think God says you're a really lovely mum. You're doing a great job. Well done. I mean, that doesn't come from years of theological education. It doesn't come because I've, I've got wealth and, and riches compared to the rest of the world. It just comes because I know what God has done for me and I know how much he loves her. And just being willing and able in that moment to say something simple. That's how we serve, because we have so much to give. But as we've realised how much we have to give, I want to encourage us to begin tomorrow morning with this posture and with this question. How can I serve? How can I serve? Because as we kneel, we lower ourselves. As we kneel, we say to God, you are God in heaven and I'm here to serve you. We kneel to remind ourselves of what Jesus did in laying down his life for others. We kneel as we pray and we remember those we're going to see tomorrow. We kneel as we remember the college we're going to. We kneel as we remember the people we're going to serve. We kneel as we remember our enemies. We kneel as we remember uh, what God has done and what he calls us to do. We kneel. 
and say, Lord, how can we serve? And we do it from a place of love. Love is the thing that motivates us. Sometimes we we struggle with faith. We think, I'm doubting. I'm wrestling. I think one of the most powerful ways to counter doubt is to serve. Because it's in serving we meet Jesus again. Because that's what he's doing right now. We serve by listening. Listening requires that we get alongside and we spend time and we take care and we pay attention. Isn't that just what Jesus did? Tomorrow morning, just on your knees, Lord, how can I serve? Who can I love? Who can I listen to? How can I lower myself that I might lift others up? and bring them dignity. Remember the story of the man with the steak. Remember the story that I had a meal paid for me. Those are insignificant in comparison to the impact that you and I can make by serving others in Christ's name because that's what Jesus did because Jesus is a servant. Let's just take a moment to pray. Let's just stay seated for a second. I just encourage you to close your eyes. And I'd love you to begin with a question. If you want to, how can I serve? How can I serve? And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak. some of you have ruled yourself out of serving others because of the way your life is the Lord wants to commission you again tonight for service I think for um, some of us as well, there's a real fear. Um, There's a real fear of stepping out, um, maybe of rejection, maybe of of being hurt, maybe just, um, as Chris said, maybe you just feel like you're not good enough. And um, the Lord's just saying tonight that those things are lies and they're not true. And he he wants to say to you this evening that 
um, you are good enough, that, that he is with you in all that you do. And that he has put a calling on each of our lives. Just keep waiting in his presence. God, I think God wants to speak. He wants to open our eyes to see what he's called us to. Some of you, the Lord is showing you now things that you can give. Some of the resources you have, it's kind of gifts and talents or skills or words or people that he's calling you to minister to. Just hold that in your mind. Don't let that fall away. worship now Um, and as we do I think for some of us we need to be recommissioned to be servants and I think what that means is is that maybe for some of us we've been reminded again by God that, that that's our primary calling to serve if you just feel like I just need that commissioning I'd like to be commissioned again as a servant of Jesus wherever we are, in the workplace, in our communities, in our home. We'd love to pray for you. If, as um, Abby said, you struggle with the fear of stepping out and, and serving, you know, what will people think of me? What will they say? What will the cost be? The Lord wants to fill you with courage. We'd love to pray for you. In fact, we'd love to pray for anyone here who's got a need. There's a kind of catch-all in there, really. But as we stand together now in worship, can I encourage you to step on out and come and receive prayer? The reason we invite people to the front is not because it's some kind of extra holy place. It's because so we can pray for you and we can minister. Uh, the team who are here would love to pray. So let's stand together, shall we, as we come to worship. And what we'll do is we'll worship. And if you want prayer, if you'd like to be prayed for, be commissioned as a servant, why don't you just step on out now as we worship? I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to pray for us and kind of formally finish. But I want to have time to to minister in the place of worship. Great. If the ministry team could come on out to pray, that would be great. Those of you who have been trained to minister, please come. Come now so you're ready to receive those who are willing to pray. And as people come out to receive prayer, let's gather around and pray.
be commissioned for the task God has for you. feel like you lack the resources for what God might be calling you to do, remember God by his spirit lives within you. If you want to be filled with the spirit, if that's, you recognise that's something you need, we'd love to pray. Let's worship together. So I'll wait, so I'll wait, so I'll wait. 